Welcome to Conquering Our Unseen Enemies. In this podcast, we help believers develop spiritual discernment. I am your host, Don Simmons, author, speaker, and YouTube host of Life Journey with Don Simmons. My purpose here is to explain Satan's strategies and how his kingdom functions to better equip you in reducing conflict, chaos, and ultimately eliminate Satan's influence in your life. These are life-changing conversations. We'll get started with this week's message in just a few moments. But first I want to ask you, would you like to know more about biblical history or historic and biblical places? Visit my YouTube channel, Life Journey with Don Simmons, to watch and learn about travels in historic areas discussed in the Bible. Come with us as we explore ancient places and share cultural background and influences on early Christianity. We will take you places where Paul wrote and shared the gospel. That's Life Journey with Don Simmons on YouTube. Welcome back. I am your host, Don Simmons. And in this episode of Conquering Our Unseen Enemies, we are going to be getting back to the basics. We're talking about conquering our unseen enemies, but we're talking about the things we do to ourselves where the conquering is our own doing. Specifically, we're going to address five barriers that prevent us from being able to move forward with the Lord. Not every unseen enemy is Satan. Sometimes we create our own enemies out of our behaviors. So let's take a look at the five most common barriers I have seen created in the lives of people I have worked with over the years. The first one. So these are the barriers that prevent us from being able to move forward with the Lord. And number one, and these aren't, by the way, necessarily in an order of, I see this one the most. They're just in the order that I did my notes. So the first one is overcommitment. A lot of times how we commit or how often we commit is related to our personality type. People pleasers, for example, sometimes find themselves in the situation where they have trouble saying no. And as a result, they wear themselves out over committing to so many activities that they struggle to stay focused and feel they're doing the right things. This isn't limited to people pleasers. Sometimes when we're unhappy or don't trust ourselves to have downtime, we end up taking up every spare minute of our time with serving or volunteering all over the place. Part of the challenge in overcoming overcommitment is understanding why we are overcommitting. A life change often leads people to begin overcommitting to avoid loneliness. A recovering addict may overcommit to avoid a relapse. You know, there it could be a loss of a loved one or a recent retirement. There are several reasons why this becomes a way to deal with change. And at first glance, it may seem like 
a healthy solution to, to get out there and help others be a part of something, but it isn't the best answer. Let's look at Moses. He was overcommitted and he wasn't as effective as he could be because he overextended himself. As long as he was overextending himself, Moses could not truly lead the people the way the Lord needed. So to set the scene, Moses is leading the people in the wilderness and managing any large group comes with challenges. His father-in-law was visiting and he, 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 he comes to visit and he's going to spend the day with Moses as he conducts his daily business. So that's where we pick up the story. We're in Exodus 18 and we're starting at verse 13. The next day, Moses took his seat to serve as a judge for the people, and they stood around him from morning till evening. When his father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he said, What is this you are doing for the people? Why do you sit alone as a judge while all these people stand around you from morning till evening? Moses answered him, because the people come to me to see that, to seek God's will. Whenever they have a dispute, it is brought to me and I decide between the parties and inform them of God's decrees and instructions. Moses' father-in-law replied, what you are doing is not good. You and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it alone. Listen to me and I will give you some advice and may God be with you. You must be the people's representative before God and bring their disputes to him. Teach them his decrees and instructions and show them the way they are to live and how they are to behave. But select capable men from all the people who fear God, trustworthy men who hate dishonest gain and appoint them as officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. Have them serve as judges for all the people at all times, but have them bring every difficult case to you, the simple cases they can decide themselves. That will make your load lighter because they will share it with you. If you do this, and God so commands, you will be able to stand the strain, and all these people will go home satisfied." So Jethro, which is Moses' father-in-law, knew Moses needed to be committed to what he was called to do by God, but he was overcommitted on the daily task, which meant he was undercommitted to areas where the Lord needed his full attention. So let me ask you, are you committed to what the Lord has called you to? When we overcommit to what we want, we undercommit to where the Lord needs us to focus. We cannot be effective that way. We need to know what the Lord wants our focus to be directed toward and stay focused to do all the Lord asks us in that area. Now that sort of directs us into number two, which is undercommitment. So we already hit on how overcommitting really just means we're undercommitting to where we are called. Here, undercommitment, which I don't think is actually a word, but we're using it anyway. So what undercommitment here in this sense is where we're intending to do what we're called to do by the Lord, 
but we're not willing to do what is required. So where I see this happen the most is when we want to do what we know we should be doing, but we aren't willing to make the time that is required to develop ourselves or to participate in what we need to do to develop. We have the time. We just choose to spend it doing other things. We don't want to give up the things we like to do for what he asks of us. Some people are not good with time management. That is not what we're talking about here. Undercommitment is part of a heart issue. It's a faith issue. Faith issue. It's a part, it's part an endurance issue and at times can be a resilience issue. When we are undercommitted, we're prone to fall away easily if we do not see a big change or a payday for the time we're putting into something. I've mentored people on an area that has taken me years to grow and develop in. And after a month, they get disappointed. They're not where I am and they lose their willingness to continue to do what is required. If you aren't willing to do what the Lord needs from you, then how can you expect to be able to have the Lord provide you with all you need to carry out what he has called you to do? Jesus never gave the disciples shortcuts because they were his favorites. Why should anyone think now that we don't have the time to spend developing what is needed to be able to live our in our purpose for him. It doesn't make sense. Now, life is life. And if you're having a few rough weeks, that's okay. That happens. But we become our own enemy when we stay in that rough place for too long mentally or in our heart. When we let that seed grow, are you undercommitted to what you are called to do? The Lord did not go halfway in what he was called to do for us. So we should not be undercommitted to do what he asks of us. Don't give up. Don't let someone else's issues become your issues. Don't let your doubts derail your progress. Now, here's some scriptures to lean on when you're developing your commitment. I'm only giving you two because I want to keep it simple. These two are straightforward and simple and will help to keep you focused. And the first one is Proverbs 16.3. Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. The second one is Galatians 6.9. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Okay, so now we are going to move on to the third barrier, and that is failure to grow. Failure to grow is related to undercommitment. It's like a cousin of undercommitment. Failure to grow, I see as a barrier because it doesn't mean that whoever it is, you, your friend, whoever we're talking about, it doesn't mean they're incapable of growing. It means they're not willing to put in the effort. Now, Paul tells the Colossians growth is important if we want 
to please the Lord. In Colossians 1.9, we read, We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. Bearing good fruit requires growth. You cannot bear good fruit without growing because it is about life. And what happens over time when we're doing what we need to do to nurture growth. Ephesians 4 also reveals how and why the Lord set us up for success to grow. It says this, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and knowledge, in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. We are expected to mature in our knowledge of him. Hebrews 6 puts it this way, Therefore let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death and of faith in God, instruction about cleansing rites and laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment, and God permitting, we will do so. To be perfectly frank, when I hear most Christians talk and the topic of growth comes up, this is how they see, this is how I see their response describe who they are. And I'm I'm referring to Luke 8 here. And here's what it says. The seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear. But as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. But the seed on good soil stands for those in a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering produce a crop. Anyone I mentor who is not willing to grow does not remain as someone I am willing to mentor until they are willing to do what is necessary to grow. When I hear someone is hungry, then I know guidance and encouragement will be a huge factor to their success. And Paul explains it this way in 1 Corinthians 13. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. Now that takes time and effort and discipline to keep going. If you think about this analogy that he used of being a child and then how he was different when he became a man, that doesn't happen overnight. That takes time and learning and development along the way. You know, I do these, um, they're Holy Spirit nights. You know, we, we were in the presence of the Holy Spirit. And recently at one of these nights I was hosting last month, I talked about how important it is to grow in our relationship with the Holy Spirit. It is so important to grow, to want 
to grow. And in my teaching section, I told everyone that if you're not in the process of growing, then you are in the process of dying. And it's easy to allow the culture. It doesn't matter what country you are in. The the culture of the world may have some idiosyncrasies in different places, the Philippines, or um, even Canada, which is close to America, or, you know, in Germany, you know, I'm, I'm naming some of the countries that we have. We have 19 countries that listen to us. So our some of our culture may not be the same, but the culture of the world is the same, meaning the things that are out there that are meant to drive us away from the Lord, the ways of the world. And it, and it's it's easy to allow that to happen and then to to allow the enemy to sway how you think how you see the Lord and what you even think of the Bible. And over the last few weeks, I have really seen an increase in the amount of questioning of the validity and the veracity or the truth of the Bible from people who are calling themselves Christians. You know, they're they're saying that the Bible is eh, it's just a book. It's just a guide. It's not necessarily what we're supposed to follow. And, you know, that could be not be further from, from the truth, but that's what happens when we don't bother to grow. Those type of nonsensical ideas, we allow them to grow within us. So we need to get busy growing or get busy dying. Yes, and I did borrow that from Shawshank Redemption. Sorry. I saw something recently on um, that big oak tree that I forgot the character's name that he goes and sits under and 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 gets the money and so forth. It was interesting. It's in Ohio somewhere, but I think it, it's been destroyed from some hurricanes and winds. But anyhow, I digress. <laughs> okay, so now we're going to move on to the fourth barrier. And I call this blitzkrieg growth. Now, this barrier may not make sense at first, but let me explain how I've seen this time and time again. And it's a mistake that sincere people often make when they think they're doing themselves good. So let me tell you this story. When I first adopted Zeke, he is my green wing macaw. I didn't know anything about birds, let alone these big, beautiful, intelligent parrots. He was barely hatched. I visited him for months as he grew until it was time for him to come home. It was a huge responsibility and a long-term commitment I made when I adopted him because he can live for 90 years. Now, Zeke's nature is still, he's a wild bird. So he can be unpredictable, even though he is more than happy to learn English or whatever else that I teach him. He has the intelligence of about a four-year-old. Now, these macaws, they have dietary do's and don'ts, grooming needs, companionship needs, medical needs, which were all new to me. 
for the months between when I paid for him and when he came home, I was learning everything I could do every day to make sure I could care for him correctly when he came home. I had to learn about cages, toys. There's a lot that goes into parrot toys. How to work with him. How to change my house to accommodate him. There was so much to know. It was overwhelming. I watched videos. I read books. I emailed experts. I talked to people. I felt like no matter how much I learned, there was more to learn. Or I would hear different opinions that contradicted others. I wanted to know everything. I wanted to be responsible. My heart and my mind were in the right place, but I was just getting information from everywhere. And it was actually making me feel less confident the more people I listened to. Now, there are varying levels of eccentric people who are bird people. And I am one of those people. But even I cannot handle some of the extreme behaviors and opinions of of some bird peoples. Differing opinions, different viewpoints, differing experiences lead people to say and do what they do. And when it comes to animals, passions ignite and people can be really rude when someone does something that is contrary to, in their opinion, of how a bird should be cared or exposed to. You see it a lot with with dogs also, Um, you know, different breeds and different things, which is mostly what I've had before I got birds. Now, I'm digressing because I tend to do that sometimes, but let's get back to my the point I was trying to make. When it was time for me to bring Zeke home, I didn't end up using a lot of that information I'd crammed into my brain. Instead, Zeke and I handled everything new to both of us. He was just a baby, you know, a little at a time. And we found our way together as companions. And as I put my notes together for this episode, he sat next to me and he was preening and and I looked over at him and he looked at me and he said, what's up? And it really just reminded me how wonderful it was to take the time to really get to know him and develop with him. I spent so much time learning things that were not applicable, things that I now know I don't agree with, things that were actually just ridiculous and a waste of my time. I lost focus on what I needed to know, trying to make sure I knew everything I needed to know. My heart meant well, but my type A personality went into overdrive when it should have just slowed down and taken things one at a time. When we want to grow in knowledge, we need to be focused. We don't want to be listening to eight different podcasts on top of reading four to five books while listening to multiple radio ministries. I guarantee people who are blitzkrieging their growth are listening to ministries that are contradicting each other because we don't all believe the same interpretations of the Bible. When I hear someone say they're doing this, I begin to ask, well, who and what are they listening to or reading? And then I ask about why and and what it is that they're getting out of each one of these. 
Now, if you're doing this, ask yourself the same thing. If you can't definitively answer what you are learning from what you are doing, then start to pull apart what you are doing and define what you are trying to develop in your life. You cannot grow when you're giving 10 different ministries 15 minutes of your time. That doesn't make sense to do to yourself. Learn maybe two things, one or two things well, and then to move on to learn something new. Overwhelming ourselves with too much gets you nowhere. There is no benefit. We may think we're spending time with the Lord and doing it that way, but it's not quality time. So if it's not quality time, what does it matter? Always choose quality time with the Lord, not quantity time with with several ministries. Now, Hebrews 12 gives us a description of what we're doing to ourselves by doing a blitzkrieg instead of focusing on our growth. And it says this, We have much to say about this, but it is hard to make it clear to you because you are no longer trying to understand. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. It's really important. Remember that. Go back and take a look at that. That's in Hebrews 12. Now, the final thing that I see really is a barrier. Applies to probably 99.999% of us, and that's fear. Most of us are aware of our own fears. We either deal with them head on or avoid them, maybe slowly chip away at them. No matter what your reaction is, we are generally aware when fear begins to affect us. We have talked about how the enemy uses fear against us, but here we are talking about how we use our fears against ourselves. Sometimes we get so focused on our own fears that we don't realize the fears of those around us. According to a study I found on Linkagol, and this is an old study um, back to October of 2015, nearly half of all adults, that's 49%, admitted that fear of failure was the biggest roadblock to either not achieving their goals at all or discouraging them from revisiting their goals. And fear of failure topped that, you know, that fear index. The second thing was fear of embarrassment at 44%. And fear of one's goal being perceived as too difficult to achieve, that was 43%, right? So fear in some form or another is is in our way. And this is the type of fear that's not the enemy. This is ourself. This is not trusting and believing. So we have to trust in the Lord. We have to develop our faith to overcome our fears. Now, I know that is not a new thought. But the issue is how? How do we overcome our fears? 
when when it's not the enemy, it is just us blocking our own path with fears. How did David overcome his fears when Saul was searching to to kill him? How did Moses respond when he was leading his people out of Egypt and Pharaoh was coming after them, but the only way forward was a body of water? What did Saul do when he had been struck with blindness by the Lord on the way to Damascus? Most of us do not have fears that exceed what these three were dealing with. And what did they do? They gave their heart full of heaviness to the Lord and they acted. They didn't have a choice but to act. They trusted him and acted in faith. David ran. He hid at one point in a cave in in Gedi and Saul was in that same cave and had no idea David was even there. I was in in Gedi earlier this year. I looked at the caves and thought of this moment in David's life. And if I were David, what would I have done? Moses undoubtedly had a heavy, fearful heart as he was leading all of his people out of Egypt. And to see that Egyptian army after them must have been confusing and terrifying. Moses had to believe in a God he could not see for an answer he could not conceive of and overcome his fear. Saul was out to kill the followers of the way, and yet blind had to rely on one of them, one of the people of the way, to come to him and restore his sight. He had to believe that Ananias would do as the Lord described and not take revenge on him. We have what we need to overcome our fears. The Lord doesn't ask us to do it alone, but we have to be willing to trust him and act. We can't sit still in our fear or we will start to spiral downward and the enemy will at some point join in on our spiral. We have to make a choice and it's If it's something we have to make every day, then we make it every day. All five of these barriers we discussed are within our control and ability to change. We need to be willing to remove any barriers that prevent us from being able to move forward with the Lord. We know what will happen if we don't remove them. But what can we accomplish for the kingdom if we do? The Lord can do anything, but he needs us to do it with him on earth as it is in heaven. I hope you have enjoyed our time discussing the five barriers to moving forward with the Lord that we place on ourselves. I do hope it has helped to build your understanding and encouraged you to conquer your own unseen enemies. If you know anyone who might benefit from this, please share. As always, let's discuss our top show points. We were addressing five barriers that prevent us from being able to move forward with the Lord. Now, the five most common barriers I have seen created in the lives of people I have worked with over the years are overcommitment. And we talked about 
Moses. And we looked at him and how he was overcommitted and he wasn't as effective as he could be because he overextended himself. As long as he was overextending himself, Moses could not truly lead the people the way that the Lord needed him to. And we saw that in Exodus 18, starting at verse 13. Our second barrier is undercommitment. And we already hit on how overcommitting really just means that we're undercommitting to where we're called. Undercommitment is where we're intending to do what we're called to do by the Lord, but we're not willing to do what's required to get there. And we looked at Proverbs 16.3 and Galatians 6.9 as support to lean on as we're working through getting past undercommitment. Our third area, our third barrier was failure to grow. And failure to grow is related to undercommitment. It's like a cousin of undercommitment. Failure to grow is a barrier because it doesn't mean that we're incapable of growing. It means that we're not willing to put in the effort to grow. And we used scriptures that kind of gave us examples of that and, and showed us how we can address that of Colossians 1, 9, Ephesians 4, Hebrews 6, Luke 8, and 1 Corinthians 13. Then we talked about blitzkrieg growth. When we want to grow in knowledge, we need to be focused and we need to always choose quality time with the Lord, not quantity time with several different ministries. And we took a look at Hebrews 12. Our fifth and final barrier is fear, and we have to trust in the Lord. We we have to develop our faith to overcome our fears. And we talked about David, Moses, and Saul, and they gave their heart full of heaviness to the Lord, and then they acted. And the Lord doesn't ask us to do it alone, but we have to be willing to trust him and act. Now, we encourage you to have an active Bible reading plan. It will be helpful in gaining wisdom and understanding, and it is required for the gift of spiritual discernment. If you want to learn more about how to hear God's voice, take a look at my book, Loving Conversations, How to Pray and Hear God's Voice. There's also a study guide available and two devotionals out based on the Loving Conversations book. One devotional is for women and one is for men, and those are available on the website, Loving Conversations, S-A-L-O, Loving Conversations, S-A-L-O, dot com. And come to my live event on 923 if you're in the Los Angeles area and experience the Holy Spirit. And that's at 80 Wood Road and it's at Journey the Church office. Um, for more details, listen to the invite I posted on 824. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram. And I have enjoyed our time this week. And I look forward to spending time with you again next week. That is all we have for this week's episode of Conquering Our Unseen Enemies. I hope you enjoyed your time with me. And I would kindly ask you to rate our show and follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Conquering Our Unseen Enemies. Now, if you have a story or a question you want to share, please email me at contact at conqueringourunseenenemies.com. 
We do not need to use your name. And finally, please share this podcast with anyone you think might need it and enjoy it. So until next time, remember, the enemy came to steal, kill, and destroy. But we can give him an eviction notice. <laughs>